Hello to all my Facebook friends and family members. Uh, appreciate you stopping by on your Thursday afternoon uh, to study the Bible with Old Bill. I'm glad to be able to come with you to the book of Colossians. We're going to be looking at, uh, I know you hear me say it a lot, one of my favorite verses. I know, I know, Bill. They're all your favorite verses. Well, they're not all my favorite verses, but Colossians 3, verse 17 is certainly one of my favorite verses. And it's one of those verses that um, finds itself in my sermon outlines almost uh, every single week. Uh, it's not one that I focus on, of course, but it is one that um, has an application and has a place in most every sermon. And it's because it's one of those great summary statements. It's one of those uh, great statements in scripture, and we'll talk about some more in a moment, that just shares exactly what the Christian life is all about. Um, so it's great to see some folks joining in with us. Pat, nice to see you and my cousin Gail. Great to see you. Always good to know of you and Keith and how you're doing and joining in on these studies. Uh, wonderful to see Cindy and Eric Mosley. We love you guys so much. Miss you a bunch and look forward to hopefully when we can soon be able to be with all of our church family in a safe environment and here uh, being able to enjoy each other's presence. Boy, we miss that. We so miss that face-to-face -face contact. Thankful for the technology that allows us to get together for Bible study and fellowship and, and opportunities like what we're doing right now. I feel very blessed to be a part of that, very humbled that so many join in and watch and view and appreciate all of those uh, who do that. My dear, dear friends, uh, Myron and Elizabeth are joining in with us today. Uh, love you guys. Great to know that uh, uh, you've had the vaccines and that you'll be soon able to uh, join us confidently and safely here in person as well. We're seeing more and more folks every week and we're grateful for the progress that's going on in our nation. We're grateful for uh, the Lord's blessing through these past 12 months, and I, we know that will continue in the months ahead. Uh, my dear, dear friend and sister Grace Hepler is with us from North Carolina, beautiful North Carolina. Yes, Grace, it's already breezy and warm here. Uh, the highs today and tomorrow are supposed to be around 80, so welcome to spring in Texas. Enjoy it for a couple of days, and then we'll be in the midst of summer before very long. But after the recent snowmageddon, I think we're all okay. Uh, with temperatures in the 70s and uh, looking forward to uh, a wonderful spring and summer and fall as 2021 finally uh, begins to show some positive effect. And uh, hopefully uh, 2020 will be uh, in our rear view mirror. <laughs> that would be great in the words of the late and great uh, Mac Davis with apologies to all my Lubbock friends. Um, so looking at Colossians 3, verse 17 today, uh, this really is the end of this section in Colossians, and it's really a, a whole section from verse 1 of Colossians 3 through the verse we're looking at today. It begins, as you know, as we have said, with that great call in the first few verses to uh, set your mind on things above, on spiritual things, on eternal things and not on the things of this world, not on the carnal things that are only temporary and lead to death, as Paul would tell the Roman Christians, and instead focusing on the spiritual things that are eternal and that lead to life. And then throughout the rest of the book, really, but especially in the next uh, several verses, 
the Apostle Paul talks about what that means in a general and yet specific way. Uh, he talks with us about how this plays out uh, to give ourselves uh, to the Lord as he speaks of in Colossians 2, uh, receiving Christ Jesus our Lord in Christian baptism, uh, being buried with Christ through baptism and raised to live a new life. And then really the book is about um, what that new life looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. And he begins the, uh, talking about that in more specific ways in chapter 3, as we have said, talking first of all, of all about the thou shalt not, starting in verse 5 and going on through verse 11. And yes, there are thou shalt nots, even under grace, even in the Christian covenant. Uh, there is a right way and a wrong way to live. And, uh, and our, our obedience to God clearly is still called upon uh, for us to emulate his life as we have been raised to live a new life. Uh, and then, of course, the thou shalt nots are followed by the thou shalts. Uh, and lots of those as well, starting in verse 12, that talks about how Christians should live. As we've said, Christianity is a very positive religion. It's not a negative religion. Uh, that just tells you how what you're not supposed to do, and that's it. But rather, Christ, the Christian faith is one where we live out in a very positive way the kind of hope and joy and love that Jesus lived out uh, in person as he walked the dusty streets, uh, uh, paths, and roads of the first century uh, in Palestine. And so we, we do the same, and that's what we're called upon to do. And then that leads us to um, what we spoke about uh, on Tuesday, talking about living that life of love and joy and peace that's expressed in a natural way as we sing uh, psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, spiritual songs with gratitude and joy in our hearts. That's, that's expressed in a very natural way because of the joy and the uh, hope that Jesus has brought to us. And then as he closes out this statement, he's going to become even more specific and look at some specific contexts in uh, Colossians 3 and 4. Uh, Paul will, but first he gives us this great summary statement, this great verse, Colossians 3, verse 17. And he says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3 verse 17, if you're looking for a great mission statement or purpose statement, that one's it. If you're looking for a wonderful verse to remember or read or consider every single day, Colossians 3 verse 17 is a great one. Uh, let's see, about this, <laughs> behind this shoulder, you'll see underneath my wonderful, wonderful uh, picture of the Last Supper. Uh, that I have had uh, since I was a little boy and saw it in my grandma mom's house. Uh, loved it then, and then after she passed away, I knew that that was the one thing that I would love to have if possible, and I have that. There's a picture of the Last Supper. Uh, there's the verses that talk about the love that Jesus showed uh, to us. Uh, actually formed out of wood, carved out of wood. It's just a beautiful piece. But underneath that, in that blue shield uh, that my dear friend and sister and co-minister, Donnie Cook, uh, made for each of us, our uh, verse that we felt was very special to us uh, in uh, our staff meetings as we shared them on a week-by-week -week basis, 
uh, months ago, she uh, made that shield uh, for each of us with our verse on it. And mine is my mission statement verse, uh, Colossians 1, uh, 28 and 29, the great verses that say, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Uh, that's my theme verse mission statement out of this book, Colossians, the end of chapter 1. But this verse, Colossians 3, verse 17, would do well. If you're still looking for one, highly recommend it. It's a beautiful summary statement of what it means to live faithfully in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so that verse, again, uh, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want us to talk about that verse today in, in a bit of a summary way, but to speak about it and, uh, and to remind ourselves of the call to honor Christ. Everything we say, everything we do is said and done to honor Christ. Uh, if you're looking for a time in your life, a day, uh, a situation where you're not called upon to honor Christ, you won't find one. It, it's not there. Uh, every single moment, every single second, every single breath, every single day, uh, we are called upon to do things and to say things that honor Christ. And to me, that makes it an act of worship. If what we're doing is being done specifically because of our Christian faith, if what we're doing is being done specifically to honor Christ, to give thanks to God the Father through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that, that makes it an act of worship. And I want us to talk about that a little bit during this study, uh, because I do believe that all of life is worship. That was a big discussion years ago. It's kind of tapered off a little bit as far as it being the hot button but that was a real question, and I think the question was misunderstood because the terms are misunderstood. I do believe very strongly, because of verses like this, that all of life is worship. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says almost exactly the same thing as this verse in Colossians 3, verse 17, that everything that we do is to be done um, out of reverence for God. Um, and Colossians 3.17 affirms that in a very strong way, that everything we say, everything we do is done in the name of Jesus Christ uh, and done with thanksgiving and gratitude in our hearts to God uh, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I believe that makes it an act of worship. And I believe that there's not a, a single time ever in our lives, not a single moment, where we have permission uh, to sin, where we have permission uh, to go against the will of God and to do things or say things that uh, dishonor Christ our Lord. Um, we, that's, that's not uh, an option for us ever. Do we do that sometimes? Of course we do. And that's why we uh, are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why the Lord came and lived and died uh, for our sake, shed his blood on the cross, and was raised to life to give us hope. Uh, he did that for us because we don't do what we're talking about today perfectly, but we can do it faithfully 
Thankfully, we're not saved because of what we're talking about doing today. We're not saved because everything we say and everything we do is done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we fail at that sometimes. That doesn't give us permission to fail. Uh, that gives us an understanding of our own sinfulness and our own gratitude and love for Jesus Christ, our Savior. Still, this is what we're called to do. Remember in Colossians 2, he talked about our baptism. He pointed the Colossian Christians back to their baptism, points us back to our baptism, just as he did in Romans chapter 6, to say, this is the moment in your life when you decided that you would live for Christ, that you would live for God. And so now that he has forgiven you of your sins, and now that you've been raised out of that uh, death to sin in baptism, uh, after being buried in that water, and raised to live a new life, this is what that new life looks like. Uh, it's a life that's lived with everything that is said and everything that is done. It's said and done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with gratitude in our hearts to God our Father uh, through our wonderful Savior. Everything we say and do is done to honor Christ. Uh, and that makes everything we say and do an act of worship in my book. It's not direct worship. And I think this is where the confusion comes. We think of worship, we only think of Sunday morning. And that's not, that's not a biblical definition of worship. I think, and it's been said, and I agree that many times our understanding and theology of worship is more like the Old Testament view of worship than the New Testament view of worship. And even that's not correct. Because so many in the Old Testament uh, called out the people of God because they were not living a life of worship. This is based in the prophets in Isaiah chapter 1 uh, and Micah chapter 6 uh, that calls upon us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Uh, that's called upon, that's what we're called upon uh, to do. Uh, Hosea says, uh, God wants more than just our direct worship, our sacrifices in the Old Testament time. Uh, he wants us uh, to give ourselves uh, to him, uh, to love mercy. I desire mercy, Hosea 6, 6 says, not just sacrifice. And Jesus will reiterate that in Matthew chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 12, when he sees the people of his day who are not following that command, not remembering that God has said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The fact that you go to church doesn't give you permission to be cruel and unkind and disrespectful and unloving towards people the rest of your week. That's not the case at all. Why is that, Bill? Because everything you say and everything you do is to be said and done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 tells us that our bodies are living sacrifices, uh, that we do everything that we do as an act of worship to honor God. Jesus called us to do that in Luke chapter 9, when he said, if you want to be my disciple, then you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Uh, and there's no time when we are freed from that responsibility. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says to live a life that is worthy, not a life that earns or deserves salvation, but
but a life that is worthy. This is how we do that. In Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, the apostle says, Therefore, as dearly loved children, live a life of love. Uh, looking to the one who loved us first, now share that same love uh, with others. We think of more Old Testament passages. Psalm 50 calls out the Jews uh, in the days of the psalmist for not living faithfully to God uh, each day. Amos 5, Amos 4 and 5, a great passage that calls on the people of God to live faithfully, not just go to church, not just offer sacrifices, but what the way Amos puts it is he says this, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Well, you can't be faithful to God if you're offering up the sacrifices on the Sabbath, keeping the Passover, but you're not letting justice roll on like a river. You're not letting righteousness roll on like a never failing stream. Uh, Jeremiah stood in front of his church building the temple in Jerusalem in Jeremiah 7, preached that great sermon on the temple. And he says, look, I don't want to hear that you're children of Abraham. I don't want to hear that this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. I don't want to hear you say we are safe to live and do all of these horrible things because we're the people of God. Oh, read Jeremiah 7. You'll be struck and apply it, not just to Jeremiah's day, uh, in the uh, close to the time of the destruction of that temple in 586 BC, but think of it as a as a word to churches today, as a word to Christians today, standing in front of that church building, and saying, "Because I'm one of a member of God's church, I'm safe to treat people unkindly, or to be rude, or to act unloving, or to be angry, or to uh, not allow myself." to do the good that Jesus lived and died to get me to do. Uh, that's what Jeremiah is telling. That's how it applies to us today. Uh, we continue to think of other great passages of Scripture. Uh, Philippians 2 that calls on us to have the mind or attitude or spirit of Christ and uses Jesus as an example of one who gave up everything for the sake of others, specifically for the sake of us. And what Philippians 2 calls us to do is to use that as an example, that great passage of Jesus emptying himself, not considering equality with God something to hold tightly to, but emptied himself and lived a life as a human being and a servant and died the death on the cross as a criminal for our sakes. In the same way, Paul says, we are to live that way every day for the sake of others, that their interests and their needs and their concerns are the ones that take precedence in our life, just like our concerns were the priority for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, we look at great passages such as 1 John 3 and 4 that talks over and over again from the Apostle John about what it means to love and how Jesus loved us and gave himself up on the cross for us. And so therefore, because he loved us, we ought also to love one another. We expect that passage to say something like, because Christ loved us, we also ought to love Jesus Christ. And of course that's true, but that's not John's point. And it's not Jesus' point in John 13 either when he talks about serving others, when he talks about washing their feet. 
Jesus washed the apostles' feet just before they all deserted him. Judas betrayed him. Yes, he was still in the room when Jesus was washing their feet. Peter denied him, and yet Jesus did that. And after uh, drying himself off, he looked at them all and he said, look, you, you call me Lord and Master, and you're right, that's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and Master, have served you, have washed your feet, you also are to wash, not mine, but each other's. Uh, that's the call of worship. That's the call of living the Christian life. John in, in 1 John 3 and 4 says, as Christ loved us, we also ought to love one another. In fact, he goes so far as to say in 1 John 4 that you can't love God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your brother or your sister whom you have seen. And one final word on this, we think of what Jesus calls the greatest commandments. Uh, he was asked one time, what, what does it mean? What is the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then he adds, the second is like it, um, to love your neighbor as yourself, right out of Leviticus 19. And if I'm the man, I'm, I'm going to say, nope, 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 just wanted to know what number one was. Don't care about number two. Jesus would have still said the same thing because you can't obey the greatest commandment without obeying the second greatest commandment. John says you can't love God, that first commandment, if you don't love your brother or your sister, the second. Uh, Jesus would not separate them. And a man asked him, well, then, you know, if I'm to love my neighbor as myself, who is my neighbor? Who do I have to love? And in the context of Luke 10, responding to those questions, Jesus tells that wonderful story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, not answering the man's question of who do I have to love, but rather telling the man, this is what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. Because Jesus, as God is prone to do, asks the man the question, who was the neighbor to the man who had been robbed and beaten? And of course, the man responds, can't even make himself say it was the Samaritan. He can only say, well, it was the one who had mercy on him, who helped him. And Jesus says, well, then you go and do the same. Well, he doesn't just say you go and do the same on Sundays. <laughs> he says, you go and live like this every single day. In everything you say and everything you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is a great verse that talks about what true worship really is. Yes, I believe there's something special and unique when the church gathers together to partake of the Lord's Supper, to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs together as a body, to pray together, to study God's word uh, together. Those are all wonderful things that we do in a very special way when we gather together in worship. We get that, understand that. And that's special and that's unique. We talked about that on Tuesday, the context of great passages like um, 1 Corinthians 14 that talks specifically about the worship assembly. But that doesn't mean that that's the only time that we're to honor God. That doesn't mean that's the only time that we are to offer ourselves as uh, a worshipful uh, follower of Jesus Christ, because we do that all the time. And we do it in a special way in direct worship. When we're at home and we're praying or we're studying the Bible ourselves individually, that's direct worship. 
but it's not corporate worship. Corporate worship is when we do that with the church as a group. When we meet together on Sundays and we're offering up those prayers and praises and songs and study and communion, all those things to our Father God, we do that. That's direct worship, but it's also corporate. We do it together. And because we're worshiping together, there are special uh, rules and commandments that God has given us. It becomes no longer about us. When we gather together to worship, it's about our fellow worshipers as we worship together. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11 calls out the Corinthians because they failed to remember that as they were partaking of the Lord's Supper. Jesus says, or Paul says, in the name of the Lord, look, I don't know what it is you think you're taking, but it's not the Lord's Supper if that's your attitude. Uh, well, that's a very special context. In 1 Corinthians 14, the same context, the context of the worship assembly. And again, it's not about us. It's about what God wants and what will encourage our fellow worshipers, not me, but them. Uh, as we have these discussions about preferences in worship, uh, it makes me tired sometimes because it's so far away from the way of the cross. Uh, Jesus came and died for us, and yet we're not willing to just do the little things that could mean so much uh, to our brother or our sister. Um, it should not be that way. It should not be that way. Uh, scripture calls on us to be considerate and to, to act in loving ways uh, to, with justice and mercy towards each other. That's an act of worship. Uh, and so we recognize that those things uh, are to, to be taking place every single day in our lives. And so you want to ask me, well, Bill, look, there was, I, I have a question about something that wasn't on that list in Colossians 3. It wasn't on the thou shalt or thou shalt not list. Am I okay then? Am I okay? And so let me just ask you this question. Can you do that in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can you do that with gratitude in your heart to, the, the, to God, your Father, through Jesus, your Savior. Because that's what Colossians 3, verse 17 says. Everything you do, everything you say, let it be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Can I do that? Can I do that? Is this something that reflects that I am one of God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved? Does this show gratitude? to the one who gave his life for me. Is this consistent with the call in Colossians 3 verse 1 to set my heart and my mind on things above? I think a wonderful verse that also uh, captures this thought are these two verses from Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 verses 15 and 16 give us such a great picture of New Testament worship. Worship directly together uh, as uh, children of God, uh, praying and offering up that direct worship to God, but also worship that is done by serving others. Clearly both being acts of worship that our God commands us to fulfill. Hebrews 13 verses 15 and 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. That's direct worship. But that's not where worship stops. Verse 16, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. That's a worship word. 
And so that worship is the fruit of our lips, direct worship offered up to our God. But our worship is also doing good uh, and, and tending to the needs of others, uh, serving them. Uh, and because with such sacrifices, God is pleased. This is consistent with what we read in Ephesians chapter 2. For nine verses, Paul talks about how we are dead in our to sin. We are dead in our sins until God acted and he made us alive through Christ. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, he says. But then in verse 10, he says we are God's workmanship, God's creation, created in Christ Jesus to guess what? Do good deeds, do good works. Same in Titus 3, verses 3 through 7, he talks about the same thing. We were dead in our sins and then God made us alive. He washed us with the washing of rebirth and regeneration uh, that we find in our baptism uh, in the name of Jesus Christ because of his blood. But then he says, therefore, because of that, devote yourselves to doing what is good. Uh, That's the call of the Christian life. Again, in the words of Colossians 3, verse 17, therefore, in everything you say and in everything you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so as we close out this study, let's close out with a few thoughts. Uh, One way we show our love and gratitude to Jesus is by lovingly and gratefully serving others. Put your neighbor above yourself. Do what will be an encouragement to them and what will be a help to them, what will bring them closer uh, to God. Uh, Yes, there are some thou shalt nots that must be obeyed, but there are also so many things that we are to do in a positive way because Christianity is a positive religion. It calls on us to have a way of life that exhibits great joy, great hope, great service, great assurance, great love. We seek to live with joyful gratitude and obedience, with thankfulness and humility. We seek to live with sincere worship to our Savior and loving service to our neighbor. We seek each day to do a golden deed by helping those who are in need of our help. We ask, oh, to be like the blessed Redeemer. This is our constant longing and prayer in one of the great hymns that we sing from time to time. We have set our hearts and our minds as Colossians 3 commands, and we have set our lives on things above, on the spiritual things, on the eternal things, where we will live for eternity, because as another great hymn says, it is to Canaan's land that we are on our way. And so we constantly pray, take my life and let it be, Lord, consecrated uh, to thee. Uh, take all my moments, take all my days, and let all of them flow in ceaseless praise. And then this great hymn that I've come to love, it's so simple. It's one of our newer songs, and I love it so much. Uh, It's a prayer song, and it says simply, In my life, Lord, be glorified today. In my song, Lord, be glorified today. In your church, Lord be glorified today. And so a final reading of this great verse, Colossians 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.